I mean, this day looked like me taking Valium, locking myself in the bedroom in the middle of the day, pulling the blinds. My son was at nursery and thinking, I just want it all to be over. Welcome to the Adversity to Advantage podcast. I'm Petra Belzebor, and this is the place to discuss tips, tricks, and hacks to build your resilience through your worst rock bottoms and get you to a place of success. I'll be interviewing people from all walks of life, professionals, individuals who've been through their own adversity, and allow them to share their authentic and real life stories, opinions, and ideas about how to utilize our worst rock bottoms and allow them to catapult us into success. Welcome to the show. Welcome everyone to the Adversity to Advantage podcast. Today we have got Katie Phillips on the other end of the line. Welcome to the show. Hello. <laughs> nice to have you. Yeah, so nice to have you this early in the morning. So Katie is a coach. Uh, she's also the founder of the School of Self-Love and an author of the book, which I've not yet read, but looks amazing. The author of The Self-Love Affair, A Woman's Guide to a Daring and Mighty Life, which I hear can also apply to men. Um, yes. Me and Katie met uh, a couple months ago, I think, when she was hosting and interviewing me for an interview called Head Talks around mental health. Uh, and we connected, like, you cried, I cried. It was a beautiful moment. We were like, we've got to stay in touch. And now we finally got this conversation going. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. I love that. I love, well, the reason we connected so quickly is because, well, it was an interview about mental health, but it, you're telling your story, mm. you were being real and vulnerable. And as soon as someone's real and vulnerable, it's instant connection, isn't it? Absolutely. There's no bullshit, right? It's just instant Absolutely. There's yeah. something magical about it. And then we talked yeah. later and I was like, Katie, I know a little bit of your story. You know everything of mine. Yeah. So we need to, we need to balance this out. I yes. need to make you a little bit uncomfortable. Uh, no, don't worry. This is a safe place. <laughs> see, if you can, see if you can get me to cry. <laughs> Fingers crossed. No, let's just connect. So um, tell our listeners a little bit about you. What are you, what do you do? What are you passionate about at the moment? Oh gosh. Well, you know, I'm, um, I think, I gotta say, I'm most passionate about my work. I re I, I totally live and breathe it. Um, because like what I'm personally interested in is overcoming our humanness. I love that idea of overcoming our, that, that the mental chit chat, the, the emotional pain, the pieces that we're not so great at dealing with in life. I'm really, that's our humanness. And um, because I really believe we have a spiritual self and that part of us is always desperately trying to guide us is our truth. It's our wisdom has all of our answers. It's a place of pure love and perfection. And we have to learn how to tap into that and use that and be, be that remember who we truly are. And that requires us to overcome our humanness. And I'm, I'm like, I'm just on, I have been for a long time on a personal path to that. Mm -hmm. Like I really am quite the truth seeker and I love anything personal growth. I'm always reading it, listening to podcasts, watching interviews, you know, like it is my own happy place. I really feel alive doing that for myself. So the yeah. fact that I can just do mm -hmm. all that and then it happens to be my work as well. Like, hello. Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, <laughs> it's would, would you say that, like, like I think that our purpose in life is growth, regardless yeah. of what medium it comes in, what work we do, but it's, it's literally growth. Yeah. 
Yeah. I, I completely agree. Like that's that whenever anybody says what's our purpose, our purpose is to in my language is to more deeply know and love ourselves. To more deeply know and love yourself requires growth. But you know, what's you, so you, liberating is that when when I'm faced with challenges now, you know, uh, the, the challenges of business, uh, loneliness, dating, kids, like all of that normal life sort of stuff that comes and whacks me in the face every once in a while, having the perspective quite quickly to be able to say, hmm, I wonder what this is teaching me. I wonder how I might be able to grow from this. And there was a beautiful, I just had this, you were talking about fresh stuff that's going on for you to, for, for you at the moment. And I had just something fresh last night where my daughter, who's 12, just had a bit of a moment, a bit of a meltdown. She may have punched a wall and had an emotional kind of discussion. I know, right? <laughs> Sorry. Um, so I had to challenge, you know, Brené Brown says that often we do the at least thing because we want to make people feel better. So the difference between empathy and sympathy, not just, and I was so tempted. I had this inner dialogue to say, well, at least this is good, or at least you're good at this. And I just shut up and I just tried to listen and just tried to support her through her stuff. And then I did say, now you have no idea what this is teaching you, um, but it must be teaching you something. And the ability to like pass that message on to my young daughter, right? I'm like, nobody did that <laughs> oh for my me. God. It's just like we, head start stuff. It's That's such, I mean, to me, that is like the epitome of conscious parenting. You know, like that's amazing. Amazing. But you've had to learn that. I've oh, had to learn that. Oh. I have to have, I have to say my son is 11. I have similar conversations with him, you know, and and you know, I could say I wish my parents were able to have those conversations with me. Sure. I just don't think most of society was quite there yet. Like we're living in a pretty special age now where this knowledge and understanding is more available. Um, and and we can learn yeah. from so many spiritual leaders or oh, coaches or yeah, people. Yeah, I mean, you just go on Instagram and there's teachings left, right, and center. You know, it's like, oh, right, that's really interesting. They didn't have access to that. No. And actually a lot of what we now very openly talk about, I mean, talking about the vulnerability of connection when we first met, speaking publicly and openly about mental health. I mean, if my mum had have been able to speak openly without fear, of her mm. mental health challenges, and she was suffering clinical depression and anxiety, which actually ended up having her take her own life. And I, I haven't—I would imagine we're going to come to that in this conversation some more. Um, but I—I I know her story, and I know in the very beginning when she tried to take her own life, and I was quite newly born. I was, you know, less than one year old. Okay. Um, the family covered it up because God forbid anybody knew she was struggling with what we're pretty sure was postnatal depression at that time because she'd be taken her kids might be taken away. You know, there was that fear because mental health wasn't understood. It certainly wasn't spoken about. It was always swept under the carpet. And that like that's not helpful, is it? Well, no, and there's and I think this is part of when we both cried was um, me talking about parenting and postnatal depression and not wanting to live and and not having gone down that path but have been faced with that choice. Um, and there's so much shame as a parent to not be, you know, gloriously accepting all the the challenges of the transition, you know, or or not having this natural maternal instinct to do all the right things that you see in movies and you know love every, you know. Um, there's yeah. something really private and shameful that we don't talk about, about that mm. experience. Mm. And I was struck with the, just the knowledge of, of your story. And I know you were, were an 
okay, I'm going to jump ahead because I know stuff. And okay. I'm just like, Ooh, okay. <laughs> so obviously the theme is adversity, as we know. And, and I know that that's, that specific experience has had a major impact on your life. And I do want to go there. But I also want to just get a bit of context to what that was like, you know, growing up. You said parent, parents weren't doing as much conscious parenting. But do you think that your, your parents or the education system kind of gave you the resilience or set you up for the adversity you would soon face as a, as a young girl and an adult? Well, okay, so that's a really good question. And what I'm realizing as you say that is that as much as, well, where do I begin with this? I mean, so my parents did their best. Of and course, I can with what say they knew. absolutely, they both loved me deeply and they did their best their own way of showing their love and I definitely did feel loved so I actually think I have an advantage right there because I work with plenty of clients that didn't even have that experience right so I'm a step ahead because I felt loved I knew they loved me they did they were doing their best um and I know my mum in particular was doing her best to be as conscious a parent as possible I mean I remember specific conversations like her sitting me down one day when I would have been about the age of my son now, 10 or 11, and telling me the importance of really knowing and loving my body. Mm. And I remember her explaining to me the importance of a woman feeling connected to her body, looking at her body, touching her body, understanding her body, and respecting and taking care of it. And that stuck with me forever. And I always had an excellent relationship with my body. Mm. And I know it's because we had that conversation. Now, I'm sure mum was able to talk to me about that because her life experience, something would have gone on for her Mm. that had her realize the importance of this conversation, you know. Um, But there were things that she wasn't aware of and was in her own pain about stuff that she hadn't healed and wasn't able to teach me. Um, I know she struggled a lot with codependency, for example, and because that part of her wasn't healed, I learned that as a pattern of behavior and I've taken that into my adult life and that's been a real pain point for me and yet an opportunity, something to overcome and heal and come out the other side of as a, as a with growth, as we were talking about Absolutely. before. But it's annoying how we, uh, annoying and allows us to grow, right? How the, the main yeah. thing we need to learn, we often repeat consistently, yes. consistently. So how did that like codependency like idea or what you'd learned from an early stage impact you in life? How did it show up? Well, it really, it came out, I mean, in the early days when I was a little girl, it was wanting to be perfect and good mm. and get the great grades and be super tidy. And I was the one that had the clean bedroom and my sock drawer was super organized and color coded. I oh mean, my. I was like almost OCD level good girl Yeah. because I knew that with mum and dad, and again, there's zero blame here. I have so much love and compassion for them both. Um, but they had their own emotional pieces going on. There was stuff in life they weren't able to deal with. And on a very intuitive level, and as little girls and boys, you know, we we feel more than we understand. Mm -hmm. And I felt that if everything wasn't going right around us in the home, they might come undone. And my fear, which I really internalized it as a a feeling, was mum and dad would disappear if I wasn't perfect. And that was dad would go off to another family, which ended up happening, and mum would take her own life. I somehow intuited that they would go 
and I would be left alone to fend for myself. Good survival. If, if I wasn't a good girl, if I rocked the apple cart. So yeah. I learned to be good. And that's the basis of codependency, isn't it? I need you to be okay so that I feel okay. So I needed mum and dad to be stable and okay and everything was all right so that I felt safe and okay in the world. So you end up and, pleasing people or giving so you away your power. Yeah. yeah, you learn pleasing. I mean, it's like my signature most popular program now is love yourself free from people pleasing uh -huh. because that's what I had to learn. And bless my mom and bless my dad. They were both codependent. They didn't know. It wasn't something that well, was... It's not I mean, malicious. It's just their, it's a product of their background and their generations totally. before them. Yeah. Sure. So I took that behavior into my career. You know, I was like, I was the perfect corporate girl. Were Such you? Such a okay. good girl in the corporate world. And I, you know, I worked hard. I was never paid pro properly for what I did and the hours I worked. I, um, you know, I, I was totally dependable and reliable. I would never let anybody down. God forbid, I couldn't bear someone being let down because, again, how they feel affected how I felt. Same in relationship. I didn't know how to be in relationship if I wasn't making sure he was always okay and was I good enough, was I perfect enough, was I, you know, and that's an exhausting place to be. Yeah, so what's the downside? Because people listening might be like, what's wrong with that? You you did well in your career, you did, got had relationships, you like, what's wrong with it? Well, in terms of um, in a, like an intimate relationship, not only is it exhausting for me, the, the people pleaser, it's exhausting for them too because they mm. know that they're responsible for my happiness. Like it, you know, they, they, it, whether they get it or just feel it, there's sure. this sense of if I'm not okay, she's not going to be okay. And it's a lot of pressure, you know, there's a lot of pressure being put on backwards and forwards. But the thing is, if you're, if you're always focused externally, if you're focused on what somebody else or something else needs, you're always, the energy is outpouring constantly. So you're left this kind of withered shell of a, of a person. You're not your fullest most vibrant, loving self. You can't be your best self for the people that you love. So they're not getting the best of you. They're getting like a dumbed down, withered, tired, probably martyred version of you. Like Ooh. I was such a martyr. You know, it was like, it was all right for you. Yeah. You go off and do that. I'll, you know, I'll bear the load for yeah. me. No one wants to be around that. It's a horrible victim energy it's to be It's very around. stuck as well. And it's not growing. It's not growth mindset. It's very fixed mindset. It's very fear-based. Uh, and ultimately yeah. can lead to things like burnout, mental health issues, like all sorts of things, uh, right, from not living your truth. All of it. Yeah. All of it. Yeah. So really, I think, you know, it is it is that analogy. I'm sure you've heard it before. The idea, you know, when you're on an airplane and they say, put your mask on first before putting the mask, the oxygen mask yeah, on the child, yeah, yeah. the elderly person, because you can't put the mask on them if you can't if breathe. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just that analogy. So self-love. You know, the day has gone where people thought that self-love was egotistical and selfish. It's the exact opposite. And I can see now that now that I've more or less healed my codependent patterns of behavior, I because it's my biggest piece, I know that there are like little tendrils of it that still try of and course. cling to my kind of go, life. hey, I'm over here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but as I've come to heal that, my relationships are so authentic. People know they're getting the real me. Like I'm not, I'm not pretending. If I can do something, I yes. If I can't, it's a no. 
I'm How do you feel love, I'm inspired, mm. I'm healthy, I'm happy. Mm. So you're giving that. from that full place. How does it yeah. feel if somebody's disappointed or doesn't like what you're saying? It's well, it's never very nice, is it? Except that the this is a journey, by the way. So as you strengthen your self-knowing, your self-awareness, your self-love, when someone else isn't okay, you have that solid foundation to know that even though they're not okay, I'm okay. And then I can actually have the availability for more compassion and empathy and understanding for where they're at without making it about me. Yeah. Like I, I can't make someone else feel anything. You can't make somebody else feel anything. That's their responsibility, isn't it? Someone else's feelings is their responsibility. Took me two de- I, I decades accept, to learn that. I might yeah. do or say something that, of course, will affect them, but how they, and we were saying this before we came on the call, mm-hmm. how they choose to react or respond to what I do or say and vice versa, that's the responsibility of the receiver. So I know that for me, it took about two decades and 13 years of being in a relationship to figure that shit out, right? Um, So I'm curious about two things. One is, did you have a catalyst moment or a rock bottom moment that helped you kind of go, I've got to sort something out and begin the tricky journey of of moving forward to get to this place? Let's go there first. Okay. Um, Well, you could say... Talking about reacting and responding to life, that choice, Mm. I would say as a people pleaser, codependent, I reacted to life for as long as I can remember. When mum did succeed in taking her life, I was 22, and I totally reacted. My reaction to life went up a whole other level, mostly because I was scared. I mean, we, we react when we're scared. We, because we get that sort of fight or flight response is triggered, isn't it? And it's something, something happens that's, that is scary. It was scary the day I found out mum died. And you can either feel it, which is horrible, or kind of lash out to it, which yeah. is like the, or the protective barrier. Yeah. You either, you're going to protect yourself or you're going to run away from it, right? Sure. What did you so do? I, I what just, was your... I protected myself. Okay. So what does that look? Was, what did that look like? What did that feel like? I was. An, I, I just. I felt like a victim to the world. I felt so unsafe. Mm. I, I literally felt like life was not there for me. You know, you I unlucky, felt like I, it I felt completely face. unlucky, yeah. and I felt like I had to. I had to protect myself all the time. I had to have my guard up. Sure. Because because my my conditioning. My, the, my programming, I, we'd experienced, you can imagine when you've got someone that's going to kill herself, there's going to be a catalog of things leading up to that. So I had a back catalog of experiences where I was already scared. I was already, you know, like working on fight or flight that, adrenaline. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't have that sort of safe place where I just knew I was okay. I just knew everything was going to be okay. I didn't. Mm. So when she died, it was just like the absolute. It was like, it was this sort of biblical message. You see, Katie, you're really not okay. Mm. Life is a scary place. You're not supported. You need to watch out, be alert. You could get hurt. You know, protect yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and so I was always kind of, I was pushing back all the time in relationships, friendships. I, I I was pushing back. I was making sure I was okay to be safe. 
uh, not in a not to be loved. If you, does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, yeah. The difference between like we were talking about healing, people pleasing. I'm going to make sure I'm okay, so that I'm filled up and full of love, so that I so that I can take care of the people I love most in a in you a know, healthy, sustainable way. Right. Uh, that yeah, no, I was. I was in a I was in a protective cage. I remember actually I had this feeling. I remember my boyfriend at the time picking me up. I just had this news and I was just in pieces. Of course. And I remember we were driving through the town and I looked out the window and I had this feeling like I was in this bubble. And I was looking out and I was that, you know, every, the world was carrying on as normal. And I had this bubble and I was inside the bubble looking out going how is the world Holy still shit, turning? This is, how is the world still spinning right now? Yeah. Like, there's that, which I'm sure anybody that gets the news of, you know, some terrible grief mm-hmm. um, has a similar experience, actually. I do know, though, that in that moment, there was some, something happened where I made meaning of the experience, and that was I remain in the bubble now. And I became oh. a victim to that. Yeah. So I became a victim to the experience, and I behaved in life as a victim for a good decade thereafter. Whoa. So you could say, like, I had good reason to. Sure. But I, but again, I hadn't been taught how to respond to life. I'd only been taught how to react because I was scared. I didn't feel safe. I didn't trust the world. I didn't trust people. And I, I mean, bet you told a story that allowed people to reinforce that message oh, back to you. Totally. Right? I wore the t shirt. My mum killed herself. Yeah. You know, basically. And, and of course, people respond thing. well to that story. Yeah, of course. Yeah. You know, they, they, they sort of collaborate. Yes. So it reinforces the idea that you're a victim, that it wasn't yeah. your fault, that there's nothing you can do about it. And you stay yeah. in this sludge, so to speak, for a full decade, acting out in relationships, protecting from intimacy, I would imagine. Totally. Uh, yeah. Not putting yourself out there to any kind of vulnerable position. No. No. No, that's right. And then I suppose, yeah, it was a good decade. And in that decade, it was like this sort of snowball of how that affected my intimate relationships and how I shut down and protected myself and just wasn't able to be intimate, um, wasn't able to respond to normal push-pull of a relationship. I was always in reaction. It was always a drama. You know, it was always poor me because I felt fundamentally unsafe. Sure. and so that led to me being a single parent because, you know, I was a bit of a, I, I attracted codependent men as well, by the way. Yeah, so that's what I was we wondering. Were, like, you know, you, you just you react off of each other. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So there was just drama, relationship, drama, relationship. And then I just ended up in as a single parent uh, with my little boy in a relationship uh, that was just off the scale unhealthy. Uh, the codependent levels were through the roof and uh, it was fairly uh, mentally and emotionally abusive. And that was ending, which is a, no bad thing. Right. Uh, but, but the day that ended, yeah. that was my rock bottom because I didn't, I could survive life. You can imagine I was total, I was a survivor. I was good at surviving life. I had my wall up and I, you know, I powered through. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But I, I didn't know, you know, this is the thing with, you asked me before what's so bad about giving mm. to other people all the time. 
you know, why is it so terrible to be of service to others? It's not. The problem is when you're only focused outside of yourself, you don't know who you are. The focus is never on you to know who you are. So when the shit hits the fan, as it did for me that day, and I was rock bottom, it wasn't just a relationship over. It was I had nothing because I had never at the age of what was I then? I was probably about 35. I had never cultivated a foundational sense of self to fall back on, mm. to, to like fall into the loving arms of and trust and be okay and know that fundamentally I'm okay. Okay, this relationship didn't work, but I got me. I'm okay. I'm here. It was like I fell into this abyss mm. and I, I had, it felt like I had nothing. And I just, I kind of realized that I, I didn't want to do life like that anymore. And, and it just, I mean, this day looked like me taking Valium, locking myself in the bedroom in the middle of the day, pulling the blinds. My son was at nursery and thinking, I just want it all to be over. And then realizing I was doing exactly what my mom did because when my mom took her own life, she had done exactly that. She'd gone into her bedroom in the middle of the day, closed the blinds, she'd overdosed, and her relationship had just ended. Oh my. As well. It was, God. it was like, it, yeah. And it's I'm like laying a- in that bed, bawling my eyes out, snot everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I realized, holy shit, I have become mom. And, and I have tried so hard all these years to not be like mom. Be, love mum, mm-hmm. love her deeply, and I didn't want to end up suicidal, depressed, uh, single. Like it, it, I didn't want to end up like that. I didn't want to recreate that. And yet just through pushing back on it, I totally, I, I, I still managed to recreate it because we, we create what we know subconsciously, unconsciously. And I, when I realized, oh, my God, I'm a puppet to my conditioning, and I didn't even know that language. I just knew I had copied her, yeah. and I had to understand how that could happen. And I realized if I learned how to copy her in such minute detail, something in me just came alive and said, well, there must be a way of learning in minute detail a different way to get a different outcome. It was just like this intuition, and, I, and that was the day. I, I just said, okay, enough, enough. I don't know what to do. I didn't know what to do except to get out of bed and go wash my face mm-hmm. and then go and get my son from nursery. Mm-hmm. I, I had zero clue yeah. how I was going to – I didn't know. But life, I learned life guides you when you make a decision. So something had switched internally. And yeah. And then you just did the next right thing and the next right thing. Yeah. And it sort of set you on this path. Yeah, and I think when you say something switched internally, I would call that this is the way I speak with clients. It's like it's the fire in your belly. Like something lights up and mm-hmm. only you can create that. No coach can make you have that experience. That's true. Nothing can give you the fire in your belly that wakes something up. And I believe it's your spirit. It's your spirit waking up going, come on, girl. Mm-hmm. This is not how you do life. This is not you. It's not the truth of you. This is not your loving nature. Living in fear, that's not what you're meant for. Yeah. You're meant for more. And I... I, that switched on. And so then life can step in and guide us. And I was guided to a meditation. I was guided to a counselor, then to a coach. And, you know, and. So began the internal work. The internal work 
on yourself in yeah. order to understand the patterns that you've been playing and connected to your mom's experience that led to yours. Um, and then you just start putting those small steps in place. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm always yeah. curious about um, the messy middle, I call it, um, because <laughs> we have these rock bottoms and then we do and then you're doing these amazing things. Right. And that's the story people often hear is like, it was hard and now it's great. Yay. You know, and I'm like, how the fuck did you get there? You know, um, because I guess that's the bit that I wanted to know. But um, I think I wouldn't have had the capability to imagine where I'm at today when I was in my rock bottom moments. You know, you can't um, ima like I, I, I imagine you couldn't have conceived of the fact that you would be a coach and doing the school of self-love and be the author of a book like this and th talking about conscious parenting and be married to an amazing person and like all this stuff, right? So you can't even, sometimes people try and vision board from that place. And I'm not, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but it's like, sometimes we limit ourselves, I think, when we think, ah, oh, well, the next thing I could probably do is maybe get a more fulfilling job. Great, you know? Um, mm. But there's something about learning to listen or follow that guide. Like, what was that yeah. journey like? How did you learn? Yeah. Was it, was it just... That's, you're, you're so bang on. I mean, if someone had said to me, I'd be doing this yeah. back then. You'd be like, you're crazy. I, mean, I, I so don't even know what you're anyway. talking about. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Self-love. So what are you talking about? <laughs> the whole personal development world then. I mean, I say, you asked me in the beginning, what's your passion? It is my passion now. It came to be my passion. It, it saved my life first. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. And then, and it, it has become my passion. I, I have got so excited about this concept that you can change your life. Like your life actually is something that you are in charge of. You can be in charge of your mind. You can be in charge of how you feel. You can be in charge of your results. So that was so exciting to me that I wanted to keep learning more and then, and then showing other people how. But that day on that floor, that rock bottom moment, yeah, I would have just laughed at you. So I probably would have smacked you. Yeah, you'd be like, heresy, what are you <laughs> talking so about? Cynical. Yeah. Um, but the messy middle, I mean, yeah, the messy middle was, went on and on and on and on. That's what I mean. It's like this, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, and I'm not, you know, sometimes I still feel like I'm in the messy middle because every time I'm ready to grow in some way and go to my next level in some way, it's like I've forgotten everything I've learned and I'm starting over again. Or, you know, well, or you're, the challenge is now bigger. The challenge well, is yeah. different or coming from different angles and you've obviously yeah. got the skill to tackle it, but uh, yeah. we don't get the same lesson over and over. Once you've cracked it, you get the next one. Yeah. So... I mean, there's always going to be a messy middle, isn't there? Because there's the awareness of the change you want to create and the space between that awareness and, and the achieving of the change. And so there's going to be the messy middle in between. But from from that rock bottom to here, oh, my God, the messy middle. I mean, it was it, – it really was, for me personally, the total game changer was – learning how to listen to the voice inside mm. and trusting it. And that was a process. Um, really, I mean, to me, to, to realize that I had a spiritual nature, that that was the truth of me. When I really hooked into that, I knew it like I knew it like I knew it. Like it was so real and so true. And when I found it, it was like, I've always known this, but I, I didn't. Have the tools. Like I've always known, mm. but I just, I just, yeah, like I was never guided there. I was, I, I was taught to live as a human, not as a spiritual being having a human experience. As mm. a, as a quite a subtle 
big. That's kind of huge. It's kind of huge. Um, so yeah. do you think, and I'm always curious about this, that you needed the adversity, and it sounds awful to say of, because your mom ended her life, but the 10 years after that of, of victimhood, of self-torture, of, of all that stuff to make you into the person that you are today who is capable of the impact that you have. Yeah, yeah, I do. I do. And I think that those of us that really are put on this planet to teach concepts like this and lead by example, mm-hmm. um, yeah, we have to. And there, I'm not going to lie, there are times where I've literally sworn at God and, you know, be like, why me? Yeah. Why yeah. did I have to go through that? Why did it have to be so painful? Why does it sometimes continue to be so painful? How have I not healed X, Y, Z yet? You know, like why? Mm. And I know why, because every time I'm speaking to an audience or coaching a client privately on retreat or whatever, and whatever comes up, I'm like, that's why, because they're going through exactly the same thing or something very, the the feelings and, and the the growth that's being called of them is exactly the same. And, and often I'm working with people that, no, they haven't, ex- they haven't lost a parent to suicide. Sure. But I, I couldn't, they couldn't trust me. They could, I couldn't help them to get the change they wanted to get if I hadn't really been down and dirty in the mud. Yeah. Yeah. With you know, the mud under my fingernails like doing yourself, the work. Figuring it out. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. But as a, a little adage to that, I think we do learn a lot through pain and adversity. And then I really believe it is possible to reach a point in your life where you can choose to start learning through love. Mm. And I see that in my relationship now. So I, I had, as I said, a lot of relationships that, that were pretty full of drama. Um, and I learned through pain mm-hmm. then. And I, I've reached a place on the back of being single for eight or nine years, by the way, before I met James and we were married last year. I can learn in this relationship through love. So yes, we challenge each other and we can have conversations and we, we come at each other from a place of complete trust and love. That's that's a really good thing to amazing thing to echo is that yes we're constantly learning and life is about growth but it's what is the medium for that and for a period of time it is challenge it's adversity it's pain it's all of those things and then if we continue on that road it can just come through different things Um, our our children our partners uh, just life stuff and we're choosing how to respond but that's that's really uh, beautiful actually just to think of but do you think that's just it's coming from love or we're choosing to respond to things differently and we're attracting well, different you know, things into like our life. I'm, I'm, I'm coming from a very healed place and so is he. You know, I mean, just so, you just keep totally creating. Right? Like what's not healed just keeps getting created. You just trigger each other otherwise, don't you, yeah. in the relationship? And yeah, there's stuff within me and around intimacy that is still healing and the same for him. And we both know that. And so we're on the same page with supporting each other with like the, the, the decision, the intention to have a really intimate relationship, which requires total vulnerability, mm-hmm. like strip bare vulnerability and honesty, mm-hmm. because we have decided that. And when we first met, you know, it must have been like our fourth date 
where we both said we want a relationship where we jointly redefine relationship, where we actually choose together, like what is a relationship and what's our relationship going to be and what's that going to look like? Not what was modeled, not what other people do, not what you think maybe society expects. Like what do we want Mm. for our relationship? And that's, that comes, that decision is coming from a really abundant, loving place and we're on the same page. And so we're supporting each other. We're not fighting and pushing against each other. Not that sometimes our shit doesn't come up and we do go in, we recoil into our fear place. Of course, of course. But, you know. um, But you practice self-awareness and you're able to circle back and come at it from a different perspective because your values are aligned and your purpose for the relationship is aligned. So you can have healthy conversations. That's a beautiful transition. Um, Oh, it's huge. Yeah, from what I'm hearing you (laughs) went through before. Oh, God, I would have been a nightmare to be in a relationship with before. Mm. Nightmare. I mean, I can whinge about my the, the guys I was with, but I was a nightmare. I own that. Yeah, that's amazing to, to be able to own that. Um, so uh, before we, we started recording, we were talking about just the life stuff, the regular challenges. So, yes, we're, you're healed and you process lots of stuff and you practice self-awareness. Um, what challenges show up now? And what are the things that you do or you try to do regularly to try and maintain, you know, your mental health or anything like that? So what shows well, up now? What do you do? I mean, I, I just think this conversation about reacting and responding to life is, is huge. It's yeah. like, for me personally, because I was so um, practiced, it was such a habit of behavior to be the victim in life. You don't even realize react. you're doing it, right? Sorry, say again. You don't even realize you're doing it. You're no, just, it's I, just well, that's it. It's, it's such a, you do, you're just wearing these blinkers. You don't know that you're behaving the way you're behaving. You've always behaved that way. And that's what was modeled to you as well. So, you know, um, yeah, overcoming that way of doing life has been huge for me. So really it is, when I say a daily intention, it's not like I wake every day and say, I, today I choose to respond to life, not react. Today I choose to, to love myself and, it, it's not. It was in the beginning. It was, so talking about the messy yeah. middle. Yes. In the messy middle, that was a daily affirmation. Yes. But I don't have to affirm it today because it's, it's. It, again, it's I'm, I live in this new blinkered world, and my new blinkered world is a woman who, totally, just, I love myself. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't doubt that. I mean, that's really, I got that. You know, I'm totally there for me. Um, I trust life. Sometimes I wobble on that. That's something sure. I'm still strengthening, and that's that is a daily affirmation. Is uh, life is designed to support me? Mm-hmm. I see evidence of it every single freaking day, by the way, and I'm still strengthening that because for most of my life, I didn't feel that life was here to guide so, 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 But like, me. let's be clear: if you have 30, 35 years of conditioning in one way, it's not going to be an overnight or even a five-year no. thing to fully recondition in another way. It's like. We've yeah. got to put in the practice. We've got to put in the discipline. We've got to surround ourselves with people that echo those things, with podcasts, with watching things, reading things that sort of, echo, you know, like we have to yeah. re-brainwash ourselves. And that's what totally people... Totally brainwash ourselves. Yeah. Like, because people don't realize how much we've been brainwashed to begin with. Um, and I used to think that was just me having been raised in a cult, but I realized that everyone has some kind of, you know, brainwashing as far as how they're, they should respond or how they should react. So I, I, so you put the work in to get some of those affirmations, but you're recognizing that, you know, there's ones that you've still got to maybe do the yeah. work to embed it. Yeah, 
absolutely. Um, so I am very conscious to respond to life now, though, not react. So yeah. this morning before yeah. we started this interview, you know, it was just one of those, it was one of those mornings I woke up, I've just had a foot operation. Which is My why foot. I've caught you, by the way, because yeah. you're stuck in your house. Otherwise, <laughs> I can't get you. I'm yeah. not allowed to drive. Yeah. So, you know, I woke up, my foot was really hurting this morning. And then I realized, oh, I've got my period. I was in terrible, I had cramps. I was like, oh, oh, I feel terrible. And then I got out of bed and I was all crooked and <laughs> I put my back out a little bit because I slept strange because I've got a bit of a like, cough right now. <laughs> and then my son came into me crying. He's, he was unwell. Yeah. That's on the phone to the doctor. Like it was just this little catalog of this. It just happened to be one of those mornings where it was just, a whole bunch of things and uh my son was in pain I was in pain uh, and I got a busy day and I was having to reschedule but while I was doing it I really had this moment of thinking gosh it doesn't seem that long ago that this could have happened and I'd have been in a tailspin I'd have been totally poor me everything's so shit why me I can't cope even like just total victim and I would have been reactive. So I probably would have been quite cross. Yeah. I felt this sort of anger bubbling up because it would have felt that yet again, I'm unsupported yet again, everything's going wrong. Right. And this reinforces your belief system. Yeah. 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 Except it's just life. And some days it just isn't all unicorns and rainbows. Yeah. Right. And when I realized that I felt fine about it all, like, yeah, there's a bit of pain and discomfort and yeah, like, yeah, there's some juggling required, but Hey, the world's not going to end. And actually fundamentally I'm here. I got this. I got me. I'm okay. My son's okay. And, and your response. Yeah. And that's huge. Well, it is. And you're, you're showing up to your purpose because you didn't cancel a victim mentality might have canceled this conversation. You thought, Hey, I'm a little bit more vulnerable than I would than I would like, but hey, Petra's probably going to like that. Um, <laughs> but ultimately, you're comfortable with your message, and you know that this is the difference. You know that you don't have to be the perfect goody two-shoes in order to deserve or earn your place in the world. Actually, what we connect on is an authentic, real conversation, and you've been able to do that today. Thank you, and thank you. <laughs> and that's it. I mean, look, I've bundled my hair on top of my head because I didn't have time this morning it's to so do my cute. hair. But then, but once upon a time, I'd have, you know, the perfectionist in me yeah. would have, like, that wouldn't have been okay. Yeah, now, exactly. Like, you know what? Done is better than perfect. Showing up. That's, Showing that's, up. Well, that's and this key. is a whole other podcast, but building a business is about taking action, not waiting for perfection, right? If every oh course God. or every client or everything, a speaking gig or anything you've ever done, if you were going, okay, I must memorize it to perfection or, you know, you would lose the connection to that inner voice thing that you, that you realize is just about yeah. being present and being connected in that moment, right? Totally. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the key to all of this is being connected to that, that inner voice and just, just knowing fundamentally you're, you're okay. Absolutely. Um, we could talk all day. I know we're going to do some podcasting again, and we've talked collaboration, which is really exciting to me. Um, if people want to connect with the School of Self-Love or find your book, where's the best place to find you? Um, well, the School of Self-Love is, the, the web address is theschoolofself.love. I love the dot love. I was so excited when we found that. <laughs> um, 
the book is on that site. It's also on Amazon. And, uh, yeah, I'm on Instagram. You're everywhere. You're everywhere. Yeah. We'll add all of that into the show notes for now. Katie, thank you so much for your Uh, time, your vulnerability, not canceling. I appreciate it. Oh, I would never. It's (laughs) too much fun. Yeah. Um, but I wouldn't people please and not cancel if I needed to. (laughs) Well done. Well said. Yeah. You should cancel if you need to. Um, (laughs) Thank you for having me. I love talking to you. It's awesome. Speak to you soon. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Adversity to Advantage podcast. Please do subscribe and review on iTunes. Every comment makes a difference. We really appreciate hearing from you. And please do get in touch through petravelzebor.com if you're interested in any training, coaching, therapy, or just to join the community and get more information on ways that you can build your own resilience. Until next time.